Matt Hatala, co-owner of Ancestral Farms, and this is the Prairie Farm Podcast. I'm Doug Duran, a landowner trying to be a conservationist. I'm Tabitha Panis, president of the Iowa Prairie Network. I'm Ryan Callahan, director of conservation at Meat Eater. Angela from X and Root Homestead. Chris Helzer, the Nebraska director of science for the Nature Conservancy. Judd McCollum from Working Class Bowhunter. Taylor Keene, founder of Sacred Seed. Ryan Bryson of Bryson Wildlife. This is Luke Fritch. This is James Holtz. Joy Van Weingarten. Sam Soholt. Phil Ebert. Julie Meachin. And you are listening to the Prairie Farm. The Prairie Farm. Prairie Farm. Prairie Farm. Prairie Farm Podcast. Prairie Farm Podcast. Welcome to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Hog farming is such an interesting thing on so many different levels for so many different reasons. Um, I actually... Kent's wife does it. <laughs> yeah, she feeds me every day. Yep. That's true. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. Um, <laughs> I told my son the other day that a, a creative Halloween costume for next year would be to dress up like a bed hog. You know, just to be like dress up like a pig, but like carry blankets and a pillow around. Like, a Maybe some hog. pajamas on too. Yeah, yeah. Because my wife works nights on the weekends, and so then I have this schedule for when my kids get to take her spot in the nice big comfy bed, and uh, they're all bed hogs, every one of them, <laughs> terrible bed hogs. And uh, in fact, the, the other night, my uh, son has a like a little. I thought it was his watch. He has a wristwatch, an analog wristwatch that's six-year-old knows how to tell time better than most of you gen zers listening he's right talking about himself he's embarrassed but, <laughs> he <laughs> but uh but uh he uh like in his sleep uh he flung his arm straight out like a two by four and i thought it was his watch so i thought i literally got clocked but it was, <laughs> it was a bracelet the little beaded bracelet ah. he had right between the eyes just Boom! Right in the middle of the night, woke me dead awake. Uh, you know, like, uh, and then like, dude, small heart attack. But anyways, he can dress up like a bed hog for next Halloween. If my wife's listening to this, she'd almost make me because we have. Um, uh, it was kind of funny. We have someone who's looking at renting our house here soon, and they were visiting our house, and they're like, um, "What size bed do you have in your room?" Because we have a pretty small bedroom, but we were like well we're not peasants we're gonna have a king size bed (laughs) yeah and and uh so we brought our king size bed holds the walls (laughs) no there's there's almost there's almost 18 inches between the wall and the bed and then yeah i know and the other side of the bed's like it's the wall but we sleep on a king we take up a twin she sleeps on the edge and i also basically sleep on the edge (laughs) like butting up against her and it's because growing up i would sleep against a wall and i'd push up against a wall Mm -hmm. uh and then for a while, sounds like she needs thirty six inches of space on her side of the bed, and then you just need to sleep against that wall. I I think we take up thirty six inches between the two of us. I just like totally no, crave her off. Just bed. shove the bed all the way against the wall so you can go. It sleep. is, and I oh, I don't know. Okay. It's a, a warm human is better than like a cold wall, gotcha. man. I'm not Harry Potter, so. <laughs> Well, king beds are nice. It's nice to have that option, you know. If you wanna, if you wanna oh, yeah. get away, that's where we keep all our dishes from when we eat in bed. See, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Figure it out. Yeah. Oh, Kent's oh, like judging me hard. Oh, I'm, I'm just not surprised. This is really <laughs> what this is coming down to, dude. My my standards of living since moving in this house, just because of like not having water and like the dirt being open, like just having a dirt floor for a while, is like. So much lower. I don't know why I'm admitting this on air, but well, you should. I almost, I almost feel first, first step to getting better. <laughs> to getting better, I feel like moving out of this into a better house is the first step. Nick, I want to hear your best hog noise. 
Oh, I, I feel like Nick I can do, go, I can do one. Nick is in go Nick mode right now, but he's slowly getting out of it. Yeah, so yeah. I, we gotta we gotta coax him out of go Nick mode. It's Let's eleven a.m. and Kent's giving me four bush lights and <laughs> no. Okay, my best hog noise. I I spent my childhood learning how to do this, so we're gonna see if I can steal it. No, that's duck. That's, <laughs> that's a duck. That's Donald Duck. <laughs> no, no, no. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. That's yeah. like a grunt that I get when I come to the paddock and they're excited to see me. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm an excited hog. I happen to be in go mode. That was good. That was good. That was very good. All right, Ken, you got one? Can you do a squeal? No, I don't think I can. <laughs> not bad also. Okay. No, that was bad. <laughs> you just need to take that up like a million and you're there. Just obnoxious level they are oh, they are man. loud yeah oh man but hogs hog not talk. only do they make awesome noises and diverse noises you know the vocalizations of a hog is probably uh i'd say one of the you know it'd probably be like in the mid-range for numbers you know like the low range would be like a deer you know deer just like grunts but but uh a pig you know they make like all kinds of different noises and then you get up to like parrot you know they're just straight up oh yeah talking chat gpt you know they're like on par with with siri or something yeah you know? but uh but but there's all kinds of different terminology in the hog world i didn't know this until i was older so my my grandfather he was a hog farmer kind of the the last of the old era of hog farming he had one confinement shed but it was just a nursery so i think hogs were in there for i don't know a couple months and then they were back out to the lot so they were born in they're born in, I guess you'd call them farrowing sheds, right? Uh, yeah, farrowing crates is what some so, people in the industry use. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, then they would, you know, they would nurse with their mother for I don't know how many weeks. Then they would head over to that confinement nursery, and then they'd spend the rest of their life out out in the lots, and mm-hmm. they'd have sheds that they could they could go in and out of, you know, based on weather and time of day and stuff, but. Uh, that was the old way of doing it, right? These open air hog lots. You drive across Iowa, and uh, you know you'd be a little kid, and you 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 know blame one of your siblings for the smell that you would encounter every once in a while, and it was just part of it, right? Land yeah. farts is what I call it. Because <laughs> you're just driving, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> land fart. Yeah. Land fart. <laughs> oh, but. But uh, I just thought, so we, we got our guest here, Matt Hatala, as you heard on the intro. We're going to introduce him more in a second, but we like to start hot here with pig noises and pig terminology. And talking about my my bed routine, I guess. I, we're <laughs> well, six minutes of, in and we've talked about nothing. Well, there's, there's different ways of being a bed hog, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me eating popcorn with M&Ms mixed in in bed. <laughs> oh, Keeping man. empty pizza boxes in, in one's no, bed. No, we don't be, do that. But uh, but no, so, so there's all these different terms. So... Could you just throw us some like, like I kind of broke it down into a couple of things here. There's like gender terms, like or sex terms of yep. the of the different of the different hogs. There's breed terminology. There's age terminology. I think right. Uh, could you just like hit us with some of the 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 sex terminology, the the male female. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a little confusing to me. Also, I had, uh, I didn't grow up on a farm. Um, I didn't grow up around hogs. So this has been something later in life that I've, I've gotten into. And, uh, definitely in the beginning was a little confusing, you know, looking at forums and doing research. Not was knowing. it like ever embarrassing having to be like, Hey, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> it, about. I, not necessarily. Um, and I am very open about not knowing things if I don't, but there's been a couple of times where I've miss said things like, so, uh, for example, um, a female is known as a guilt. 
right. until she is bred for the first time. And then she is known as a sow. Once she is mothered a litter, uh, she is known as a sow. Okay. Um, so from then know, on, even from, if she's not, doesn't have a litter in them. Correct. Oh. Yep. Uh. Um, so once, once she has a litter, she gains that title of sow. Um, and I've, I've screwed up that many times sure. talking to people. Uh, there is, uh, a boar obviously is a male, mm-hmm. um, but a boar is uncut, so he's an uncastrated boar. Um, a, a male that has been castrated uh, is called a barrow. Um, okay. So that's how you know, uh, you know, if they can still breed or not. Um, some other terminology: uh, wieners are are what you call little pigs that are still um, nursing that are delicious. Yes, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you can, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking the Super Bowl's coming. Wait, I'm not allowed to say that. The big game is coming uh, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, why aren't you allowed to say? It's copyright. Say like, look at watch something? all the commercials that involve quote unquote the Super Bowl. They will never say Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah, Just you're not even skirt around it with even some church other... services. You're not supposed to like say it on stage wow. if you're recording. Yeah, that's interesting. So, anyway, hopefully. Hopefully our podcast is big enough to get dinged for it, but hopefully they don't. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you've got wieners, which are the the pigs that are still weaning on their mother um, or haven't been weaned yet. I'm sorry, that are still nursing, male or female. Yep, just uh, infant infant pigs, uh, piglets. Um, other terms, uh, breeders will be your obviously your breeding stock of the hogs that you have your your breeding gilts or your sows that have bred before. How many lit- litters can can a good sow go through? Uh, that's going to be dependent on her, her, you know, that will be dependent on her individually, uh, versus like there being a standard number. Um, you know, there's ways of telling if they're still able to, to mother or not when they're getting later in life. I'm not proficient at that. So I'm not going to try and what's the most you've ever seen. Oh, uh, I haven't been at it long enough to, yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, we've been at this for two years. Yeah. Um, so I, what, from what I understand, most sows can breed up until, you know, four or five years old, maybe okay. even six, if they're, you know, mm. very one litter a year or two, two, two year, litters a year, two year litters. Oh a yeah. Years. Cause it takes like six months for a pig to get to full size if they're commercially fed. So you're going to want to breed your, uh, your gilts around their first birthday. Um, that's going to make sure that they are mature enough. They've gone through enough heat cycles to be able to uh, um, become pregnant uh, with more assurity. Um, and then also for litter size, you know, you're going to want a bigger mature pig that can have that can mm-hmm. farrow, you know, eight to twelve piglets. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also don't, you know, you don't want to push them till they're too big. I've heard people having issues with large mothers and rolling over on piglets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So these are things that we're still figuring out on our farm with our, with our herd. Um, but yes, you are able to get uh, two litters out of them a year without over pushing them or overbreeding them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the, the breeding cycle is, uh, or when they have piglets, it's called farrowing. That's another term that I was very okay. confused on in the beginning. Okay. Um, so when you farrow, that is actually the, the pig giving birth. Um, so they will farrow after three months, three weeks, and three days on average um, mm. from conception. Uh, that's uh, the three, three, three is a, a thing that I had to learn. Um, now that's not constant. They can go a little over, a little under, but that's mm. usually a good. I point. asked this guy to hang out the other day and he said, yeah, I can do Saturdays as long as my, my sow isn't farrowing. And I said, oh yeah, no, totally. No idea what he was talking about, but now I do. There's been so many times where I've just had to act like, oh, yeah, 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 and then Google real quick. Yeah, okay, now I get the full scope of what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been a cool thing, too. Um, 
not to divert, you know, go off subject, but like, the, I don't, again, I don't come from this world. So, um, a lot of the mentorship that I've found have been through people online and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And they've been very, very open to, to helping me. It didn't feel like a very closed off community that was going to shun you for not knowing a word yeah. or something mm -hmm. like that. So that's been a, that's been a cool aspect and helped me learn a lot more in an environment that's, you know, conducive to that without people belittling yeah. you for not knowing certain yeah. terms and stuff. Yeah. That's, it's important to, if you're part of a community, when you see somebody who genuinely wants to join, but doesn't have the, that doesn't have the background that you do what it takes to make them feel welcome because they're the people that want to be there are going to provide more value than the people that are stuck there. If that makes sense, Absolutely. because every industry has people that are stuck there. Somehow they ended up, you know, maybe, you know, let's go with the prairie industry. Let's say if somebody was maybe, you know, maybe their, their parent worked at a prairie center or something, they were always brought along to work and it was kind of like, well, this is the, path that mom took you know i guess i'll do the same thing or if somebody maybe somebody grew up on a prairie farm mm -hmm. and uh um you know like they just had to help pull weeds and they had to help mix seed or whatever if if that person isn't truly bought in the value that they're going to bring is most likely not going to be that is what somebody who wants in but yet what's human nature is oh you're a new you're a newcomer who doesn't know anything you know, we're, you know, laugh at this guy and, and get out of my way because you're just in the way. Now, I'm in the same boat as as uh, Matt here because I didn't grow up in the prairie industry. My college, you know, work is, is definitely related. I was a biology teacher in a previous career. When I came here, what I... I remember Nicholas and I, we'd be going to do podcasts and Nick would just be looking out the window and be like, yep, there's a uh, Ohio spider warp. Yep. There's, you know, compass plant. Yep, Second nature. Yeah. Yeah. Butterfly. Ken, mine was just blown. Be like, I just yeah. like, how does he just know this at 75 miles an hour? You know? But now it's like within two months, he was like, oh yeah. no, I Yeah. Know right. This. But, but you know, a big part of it was the welcoming that I was given by Carol and by Nicholas and Peyton at the time and, and Fred and they, they just knew it was going to take me a while to get, to get caught up to speed, you know? And, and, uh, I think that this can be said for any industry, you know? Um, you, I think the more that you see people doing that, you know, you're in the right spot because it's a healthier place. Yeah. And, and there's some big guys out there that I've, I've talked to that, mm -hmm. that sh you know, I shouldn't say shouldn't give me the time of day, but they have no reason to give me the time of day, right? I'm a, I'm a newcomer into this industry, very, very new. Um, but there's some big names out there like um, Holy City Hogs, ran by a gentleman named Tank. Um, he's been there for support and some you know things that we've gone through on the farm and questions I've had. Cliff Davis at, uh, I believe it's American Durox on Instagram. Okay, yeah. Another, like I've seen videos of him years ago on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and we got to talk a little bit a couple months ago and I've kept in conversation a little bit here and there. Also, super informative, super nice, very willing to help on anything I have as far as questions. Uh, Wade Hendricks, um, he's our breeder out of Indiana. He is the smartest person I know when it comes to hogs. Uh, mm. and, and he is by far, not that the other two aren't, but he's by far the most willing to share that information. Like, mm, uh, that's you know, awesome. he'll be out checking hogs. I'll call him like, Hey, she's doing this, doing that. It's like, ah, don't worry. You know, call it. It's all right. Whatever. Yeah. Cause I, a lot of these things that, you know, we're going through for the first time, especially, um, starting to farrow on our, on our farm. Um, instead of just bringing in, uh, feeders, 
um, which feeder is another term, a, a pig that you don't intend to breed, that you just intend okay, to eat, yep. be known as a feeder. So, uh, yeah, it, it's super helpful to have people like that. And you definitely can tell, like you were saying, they, they have a passion for it and they want other people to have a passion for it too. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're welcoming with that information. Um, yeah, I haven't really got any sort of like negative, you yeah. know, interaction with anybody in like yeah, the pastured pig world or anything like that yeah yeah that's how great. big do you feel like that world is pastured pig world bigger than what i thought before i got into it um mm -hmm. you know i think people uh, like us are kind of seeing that there's a different better old way to do things and in our mind in my opinion um and you're starting to see a resurgence um there's a farm down in oklahoma that's about the same size as us and it seems like they're about in the same phase as us a uh, younger female down there running that. I think it's Springfield Family Farms. Mm. Um, like I said, Holy City Hogs is a cool one to check out. Um, Davis American Durox. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. If, if you go on our Instagram and look at the people that we follow, we follow a lot of small-time hog farms, you know, because mm -hmm. I feel like that community support is big. Yeah. It's not us versus us. It's us, you know, versus the, the different side of farming. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people realize that. Uh, being a small farmer because you're up against so many other things that having a community there that's supportive is a, a big deal. And I think everyone kind of partakes in that, at least from what I've seen yeah. in the uh, pasture pig world and the forest pork world. Yeah. You know, a similar thing for us is when we go to uh, different conferences, um, uh, that's one of the fun things about this job. And I know you do some stuff with PFI, Practical, Practical Farmers of Iowa. Uh, we've been in contact with them. I haven't got to go to one of their events yet. Oh, okay, we were yep. farrowing or supposed to be farrowing at their event uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. She decided to take a little longer than expected. So we weren't able to make that. But, yes, I've been in contact uh, with um, – some of their uh some of their people and hope to do either some workshops with them in the future or at least be able to attend some of their events yeah, yeah and stuff like that is so helpful too you know and that's oh, where yeah. you do get a sense of the goodwill in the industry and it's it's been very much the same for me coming into the prairie world and i'm sure nick when he came on full-time in the prairie world uh what four years ago now something like that three and a half years ago mm -hmm. um three and know, a half years he, man you know when when you walk around people know nick you know they're like that's how you know and plus that's a testament to nicholas just being a good networker um when he's not, i like to talk when he's not man. when he's not in go nick mode that is dude but. it just depends and also here's the thing i haven't eaten anything yet today so <laughs> <laughs> should have brought you in some rattlesnake rasping. yeah i know i know we've got pork there i just it's we raw, got we so. got that whole cooler yeah, yeah, yeah we might have to get some bacon going for and you the whole thing's in my truck right now i'm taking it home <laughs> No, but uh, no. So it's uh, you know, it's it's been much the same. But you know, another term, you know, a couple of terms you start throwing at Duroc. There's there's some, you know. Well, let's get to that in a second because okay. we'll talk about the kind of the the breed that you guys raise. Yeah. Why on earth did you decide to start raising hogs? I mean, it's not like, <laughs> you know, that's not that's. First of all, it's kind of counterculture, right? It's like, you know, what's every Disney movie from when we were kids? Oh, I'm stuck here on this this uh, farm, but I actually know how to play guitar, and I'm going to make it big, and I'm going to get off this farm someday. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And I guess I was kind of the opposite. I was, uh, you know, 18 years old in in Iowa, and uh, you know, left for a long time, and uh, moved around the country, um, had different experiences, ended up coming back. Um, you know, and, and after that time of coming back. Uh, Micah had contacted me and, um, Mike is my partner in this, uh, Micah Davis. He's, uh, from Texas. We served in the military together. Uh, I think that might be a little bit of why we were okay with doing this. Cause we don't 
necessarily see the mm-hmm. same barriers that other people do. Yep. Um, but he contacted me after uh, he and his brother um, had had uh, problems with health due to diet or what they figured out was diet connected later. Um, he wasn't able to make it today. Um, mm-hmm. He's working right now. So we're going to try to have him on at a different point. He can fill you in more on that because I don't feel comfortable going into his you know, medical history and sure. stuff like that or his brother's. But that was a big um, catalyst for us. He, he contacted me one day and I uh, was like, man, um, you know, my brother Jay is having all these problems with food and I am too. And we're trying to switch up our diets. And he was doing more research into the food industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I had worked in the ag industry slightly in Michigan and then came back and started growing my own food in a greenhouse I built and, and was kind of on that same plane. And, and then having a child, you know, that mm-hmm. really makes you conscious of like what you're putting in your fridge and, and giving them and yeah. stuff. So he's like, you know, let's, Let's start a farm. <laughs> and, uh, As you do. Yeah, you know, it's just a regular Tuesday talk. So uh, I was like, all right, you know, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, how about chickens? And I was like, all right, you know, we could do chickens, but I I see a bottleneck in that here in the state of Iowa. We've got one, you know, processor uh, that isn't Tyson or something like that that small guys mm-hmm. can go to, and that's up in Green, Iowa. And uh, they've processed chickens for us before, do a great job, but mm-hmm. they are a small family operation. So you have an extreme bottleneck there. And yeah. unless you're looking to vertically integrate right off the bat, you're yeah. going to put yourself in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. So I, I had gotten my first pig probably five months earlier, and uh, it's been something I've been researching for years. And, uh, I was like, hey, you know, have you thought about pork? Have you thought about pigs? And he's like, no, not really. And I sent him a bunch of videos that I had been looking at. And, and then we were kind of like, you know, looking at the processors in the area and the turnaround time and the land commitment, you know, obviously being a lot less than, um, than cows, mm-hmm. uh, right. you know, for grazing purposes. Obviously, we still rotationally graze our, our hogs, but we don't need, you know, 100 acres, 200 acres to, to be able to sustain the livestock that would make us a self-sustaining business and profitable. Yeah. So we're like, let's, let's get some hogs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, that next day we got on Craigslist being just two novice guys. And we're like, Hey, these looks like some good pigs up in Charles city. Let's go <laughs> snag a couple of those. So <laughs> I got my, uh, my 2002 forerunner and I put a dog crate in the back <laughs> And I drove up to this gentleman. Wow. And I was like, you know, Nick is admiring you so much yeah, right now. Dude. I love it when people don't know what they're doing and they do it anyway. I'm Think that fair. type, man. I yeah, will dude. jump into a fire and then figure out how I'm going to get myself out. Yeah. It's just been me my whole life. Big fan. <laughs> so uh, that is how Nick lives life. Yeah. It, but this was Still a great learning experience for us too, because we're you know, like I said, no experience in this. So we just saw pigs and we're like, oh, pigs up here. Cool. We'll go get them. They, they have Berkshire mixing them. They didn't have any Berkshire in them. Like knowing now what I know, like looking at those pigs, like I was kind of duped a little bit Yeah. and they weren't the type of genetics that we wanted or anything, but it, we, we got some pigs, right? We're in yep. it. Uh, so I'm raising these pigs in my and back. Just your backyard? In my backyard. Yeah. We don't Man. have the farm yet. Just so, like quarter acre yard. Yeah. Essentially, I, I put up an electric <laughs> fence and I built them a, a no, shelter. No HOA, evidently, right? No. <laughs> I, you know, I, bet, I bet HOAs don't make rules against pigs specifically because <laughs> I might nobody to, yeah, does that. Yeah, yeah. I might have to check that out. Just to see <laughs> but no, I live in a, a small unincorporated township called okay. uh, Finchford. So it's... It's no man's land. You can pretty sure. much get away yeah. with what you want you out there. <laughs> That's beautiful, dude. Uh, so we started running them in the backyard, and then we're like, man, we can't just do you know, pig farm with two pigs. So then I drove out to Sioux City and got crazy. 
I, you I, just I, got like a male and a female, <laughs> and you're just hoping then. No, we weren't even looking at breeding at this point. We were just oh. looking at getting them in, raising them to finish, you know, figuring out oh, how yeah, this yeah. even Practicing. works, right? Yeah. How much do you pay for like little pigs like that? Uh, right now, the market, depending on you know, how many you're getting, where you're going, $50 to $150. You know, if Ken, you start- hear me out. <laughs> you have nothing's on your plate. <laughs> There you go. I like where your head's at. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Sorry. Keep no, going. you're good. So um, you're in your yard with these pigs. Yeah, I convinced my girlfriend that we should take a trip to Sioux City on New Year's. Um, she's like, why Sioux City? I'm like, oh, was, I've never been <laughs> the there. fireworks are just great yeah, up there. I've also got to pick up three pigs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we drove out there. Uh, this was New Year's last year um, and got five or three more pigs. And then we just slowly started getting more and more. Um, because we knew that like, if we were going to make this a business and not just a hobby, we were going to have to start, you know, getting some numbers up, getting more experience, getting, Mm -hmm. you know, building up an inventory of product later on down the road. Uh, we ended up doing, what was it? Like 17 pigs last year to start off with. Um, I have family friends, uh, that I grew up with their son that had a old Holstein farm, uh, that most of it was being underutilized. Um, they weren't farming anymore, but it had intact fencing systems and, and hmm. barns and stuff. Out of the gr- goodness of their heart, uh, Larry and Joyce Kurtz is their name. Um, they were like, hey, you know, we see what you're trying to do. Uh, we've got this land out here. Um, if you want to use it, you you can. Hmm. Uh, wow. So we started off. Out- Didn't charge you any rent or anything? No. Wow, that's no. amazing. They have been amazing. Um super supportive and that's why i want to give them a shout out out here because they, they are great people all in all mm. and to do this for me uh and for us has been a huge helping uh step in getting this started because you know you know land costs yeah pretty extreme here in iowa um mm-hmm. we don't have a loan through the bank or anything we're all self-funded um so we got to make really smart moves with our money mm-hmm. and trying to acquire land uh without a rent yeah, yeah attached yeah. to it has has really really helped us out so we started off in about a three-acre paddock over there. Um, my son and I last spring set that all up, and uh, and we borrowed a trailer from somebody, uh, a friend of mine, Courtney Martin, and uh, drove, loaded the pigs up um, out of my backyard. And my neighbors were probably thrilled, <laughs> and uh, moved them out to the paddock. And we've been out there on that farm northeast of Waverly um, ever since, and just been you know slowly growing from there, learning understanding the uh the market um trying to build a customer base uh you know and then now we're looking to expand we just went and looked at a 39 acre property yesterday um so it's just been one of those things that i feel like we've been smart about how we've uh moved forward and the way we Mm -hmm. spend our money and who we put ourselves in front of and i think it's you know it's kind of starting to take off so yeah Mm -hmm. that's really cool that's awesome man yeah, that's that's the American dream, right? And and I think that we are told, especially when it comes around agriculture, uh, the the narrative that's always told to us is, um, well, sorry, those days have gone. You can't you can't uh, you can't make that work anymore. Yeah, like, and that's, the rules have changed too much. I don't like being told I can't do something, yeah. <laughs> whether I know I can't or not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. so you doubt me. And it's yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. well, let's let's see. And uh, I, I hope that doesn't come off as cocky because it's not. It's no. just a, a trust in, you know, Mike and drive. I, have, we're, <laughs> we're the type of guys that will start a farm on a Tuesday. So we don't, we don't give up easy. Um, we're very resourceful. And I think that is something you need if you're going to oh, start absolutely. any sort of agricultural something. Yeah. 
that's how all those old timers did it. You know, they were, that it was them or nothing, you know, they had, uh, they, there wasn't the, I guess the framework that we have now for not just ag for anything, right. They fixed their own machinery and took care of their own animals and fixed their own roof and built their new sheds, you know, that they did it themselves. That's kind of the appeal. I think to me a little bit, you know, like I, didn't have this when I was younger in life, but later on, like working with my hands and being able to be more self-sufficient, like super rewarding, you know, and I'm sure you guys, yeah, was that, too. was that part of your drive for deciding to do it? Was you just wanted to, you wanted to maybe stretch yourself in that way, or you knew that picking up those skills was, was going to be valuable to you? Uh, I don't know if it went that deep in the beginning. Um, I've always wanted to work with animals when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I was really, you look at any paper that I wrote about what I want to be when I grow up and it was zookeeper, zookeeper, mm-hmm. zookeeper. So, uh, animals has always been something that I've had a connection with. I was a dog handler in the, the Marine Corps, um, worked with working dogs after that. Just so being That's able awesome. to find something that allows me to be outside, um, I need self-fulfillment. So I need to feel like, uh, like what I'm doing matters. I feel like providing a clean, um, food product, Mm-hmm. fits that for me um and then yeah you know it's just just been one of those things yeah yeah definitely marine corps huh uh you're we, we were talking on the phone the other day we're similar age uh you probably had to spend some time overseas huh based on your age that that you are yeah so um and th- like it said that's where mike and i met um we were roommates uh when we first got to second battalion first marines uh in 2000 eight it would have been we met okay beginning of 2008 and uh, right out of high school or yeah i spent like five months um <laughs> having fun before i went to yeah. boot camp after yeah. i graduated but yeah I, I pretty much right out i was 18 he was 18 um we didn't go to boot camp or anything together but met in the once we got to our, our first unit ended up not really liking each other at first and that's because we're such similar people yeah, <laughs> so like yeah, yeah. then we you know once we kind of chipped away at that we're like oh you're just like me it's like yeah. oh, and then we became best friends but yeah so i went to iraq in uh 2009 um and then i i redeployed to afghanistan in 2010 uh into 2011 and then i went back as a contractor um at the end of 2011 for a couple months working with the uh British Royal Air Force and converting their dog program over to the American uh, mm. Black Lab program that we had been using. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you very much for your service yeah. to our country. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of the best jobs I ever had. So I appreciate that. It's just always awkward. You know, I don't know what to do. Yeah, right, it's yeah, like someone yeah, saying, hey, right, thank yep, you yep. for, you know, all your <laughs> no, seed. You're like, I'd love it. So yeah. like, thank you. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I feel weird now. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, it's important that we, we highlight that. And we have, uh, we have a guy that works for us in the summers that is uh, uh, in the Army as well. So nice. he's, you know, I think it's an important part of, you know, the, the whole story for what you guys are doing and, and, uh, shows your, you know, your dedication to our country and serving others. And I think that's probably part of why you're working so hard to, pr- you know, produce a good product for, for your consumers. So, yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, I, I think we need more veterans in agriculture. Um, why, why? Because I think that veterans need a challenge. I think they need a, uh, I don't want to say enemy because that sounds bad, but they need like an opposing force. You know, they need mm. something they're going up against mm. because that's how we we're built as, as young men. Um, and I think it's a, a far more constructive way than some veterans are, use, you know, fulfilling that in their life. I think there's uh, being resourceful, right? Something that we mm-hmm. all had to do overseas. Um, being able to uh, 
you know, overcome challenges daily because they're going to be thrown at you. Just like you guys know, whether it's mm -hmm. equipment breaking or, you know, something not germing the way you want to, you're going to have to think quick on the yeah. spot and come up with a, uh, a solution to that. And I think vets thrive in the, you know, those areas. Some vets do. I'm not going to say all, but uh, at least for me, um, as far as like life fulfillment and like feeling truly fulfilled and happy, um, it doesn't mean everything's going great in my life, but like farming has, has definitely brought that aspect mm. to me that's interesting that's a good point yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't think about it. i knew it would tie in somehow into all this and I, I so i wanted i definitely wanted to bring it up but do you feel like you have an enemy right now uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man don't hey no no that's all right powder keg let's do it um man i don't think it's an enemy um because we aren't trying to like attack anybody and, and go after them but you know being in the state of iowa we're the number one pig producer in the country and mm -hmm. you drive through the, uh, the countryside and you don't see hogs outside. Right. Um, and that's okay. Everyone can decide their, how they want to raise their livestock or what products they want to buy. Um, what I try and do though, is some of those bigger guys put out a lot of videos that make things seem a little bit better than what they are kind of rose colored glasses. And, and I think it's my job to kind of call that out a little bit and mm. show people the difference, but I don't say they're, they're an enemy necessarily. Um, However, you do talk about negative comments and stuff online. <laughs> they, yeah. they come from the guys that are in favor of, of uh, confinement hogs. Um, and that's okay because it helps us with the algorithm. But mm -hmm. I, I, in my mind, yes, they are, they are the opposition. And that helps me um, you know, stay motivated and, and, and kind of press on through the hard times. Um, but not in like a literal sense. I don't, yeah. I don't view them as an enemy. It's more of just this mental motivation yeah. to, you know, we've yeah. got this hill. I've got to get up it. We decided to do this behind enemy lines, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not an enemy by any means, but it's definitely a driving force to, you know, be a different option for people on the market. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to say it, a different option because there are, I mean, we have to be honest with this. It's easy for me, especially because, because I, I like to romanticize about the old days for, you know, how agriculture went. But the the new conventional ag way of doing things has brought the world a lot of a lot of you know nice luxuries, I guess you could say, or new amenities that we haven't had before. You know, think of how much medical advancement has happened in step with industrialized agriculture. Mm -hmm. You know, there was certainly there were medical advancements all along, but as soon as as soon as um, you know, small farms were basically going extinct. This explosion in, in technology and outside of the medical world. But at the same time, we still acknowledge there's a cost for that. And I think that cost was far greater than what most folks have understood and have even seen, you know. And I, I think, like, like, there's two levels there. First of all, it is we got to get you to see Okay, yes, these are nice things that we have, but what was the trade-off in getting them? Mm -hmm. And you got to see that, and now you have to understand it. Okay, you have to understand, okay, if Matt here is going to raise hogs in and with older practices, what is the payoff for that? And I think you guys have highlighted a lot of that in your in your social media posts and so forth. But yeah, and but you know, at the same time, when you talk about it as an option, you're acknowledging yes, if you choose to go with the conventional model, you do get these 
these nice things here. But please understand that you lose out on these nice things over here too because that's what an option is. Exactly. And I think that the uh, – exactly what we were saying. I'm not trying to disparage them and what they do. And if it comes off like that, I apologize. Um, no, no. I don't think it did at all. It's, it's more of just like that, alerting people to, hey, like if you want a different um, standard for your pork – we're mm-hmm. here for you, right? Yeah. I get, we live in a time where the economy's not doing great and I'm not going to mm-hmm. blame that. You know, we're not going to get political on, but I'm saying money's tight for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we get, there is a much bigger cost associated with our product. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could get that down there, right? Mm-hmm. Not because I want to compete with with those guys because that's not our goal to compete on price. It never has been. But I would, I would like mm-hmm. to get to a point where we can become more available to people that mm-hmm. would want to make a healthy choice. It's just right now we're put in a position with you know, we don't, we don't have land. We don't have this. We don't have that. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but we're trying to make sure that our company can stay alive yep. uh, long enough to start making those cuts to where we can pr- provide that down the line. Um, so like, I don't, I don't get upset, you know, if people, you know, don't want our product or don't like it, it's just an option. Um, I will say though, I, I think the general public had no intent of getting us here, right. With, you know, the industrial side of farming, mm-hmm. You uh, you show people that they're going to get a, a cheaper product and you claim it's the same quality. Why would they not go for yeah. that product, right? Yeah. It mm-hmm. makes sense. And and you look back at the 60s when a lot of this stuff started happening with confinements and hogs, information isn't out there like it is today to where you can go on Google and be like, hey, is this really, you know, is this really what they say it is? Is mm-hmm. it really beneficial for my health and this and that? Um, you know, we've created this unrealistic uh, cost with, uh, like the, the products, whether it be vegetables or meat, um, because of the way that they're raised. Um, I forget the gentleman's name and anything I say, please, everybody Google what I say. Cause I don't want, <laughs> if I say something wrong, I apologize, but I forget the gentleman's name in the sixties that introduced, uh, confinement hog raising, um, to the industry. Uh, but essentially what he did was take the cost of 60 cents for a pound of pork and dropped it to six cents with mm. confinement raised hogs mm-hmm. versus your small farm outdoor hog operations mm-hmm. essentially pushing all the small guys out mm-hmm. like how can you compete with that right. right especially if you don't have the customer knowledge base to, to say no this isn't this isn't the same product like yeah. like mm-hmm. we can do now um so where the, the general public I, I don't i think isn't complicit in how we got here mm-hmm. um there are people within the ag industry that very much took us to this place. And I'm just going to speak about the pig world because that's all I'm really kind of versed on. And uh, I think that's another thing that we need to to bring up, not to justify our price, but to, to have people look at the price of this pork being produced and you say, how? Yeah. How can they do this? Yeah. Cisco delivers pork to restaurants up in my area. And I know this through talking with chefs up there that we're approaching very early on. Uh, they sell it for a dollar forty-two a pound. Hmm. Like that pig's got to be five, six months old. You've got transportation costs. You've got packaging costs. You've got this. You got that. Like, I'll tell you right now, that's lower than I can produce a pig at. Let yeah, alone yeah. packaging, shipping. This, yep. you know. So it's like, how are you doing that? You can't. Obviously, they're doing it right. They're mm-hmm. they're able to do it. Yep. But it's like, what is what are the cuts in quality? You know, what are the shortcuts you're taking yeah. to get to that price? Yeah. Um. And that, again, is some of the things we're trying to highlight, not to disparage them, but to just highlight why we are different and why we feel that we are a superior product when you're looking at health and Mm -hmm. animal uh, welfare and stuff like that. But we are, we're we're just an option. Mm -hmm. 
I was yeah. uh, I was talking to a lady once, and this I'd never heard of Cisco before, and, and I I was like, well, what if we went to uh, uh, me and and my wife and her and her husband were going to go out uh, to eat, and I suggested a restaurant. She's like. They're just a, a Cisco middleman, mm-hmm. and then and we just start going through the lines like, nah, they're all like just Cisco middlemen. And you look it up, and it's like, well, you don't realize like if anybody doesn't know what Cisco is, you need to look it up right now yes. because basically if you're eating at a restaurant, unless it's like Chipotle, who's super picky about where they go, um, and like a few others, you're eating Cisco yeah. food. And then and and I, her words are so funny. She's like, that restaurant just microwaves Cisco food. You know, it's just yeah. like they don't even cook anything. And yeah. and um. Bulk is bulk is totally fine. Uh, nothing wrong with bulk. It's it's how did they get the bulk? Right. You know, get, getting that bulk can be difficult. You know, and and in and any industry, it's common to say like, well, yeah, we can have these cheaper prices because we've got bulk. Totally fine. Where'd you get it? Right. Where, how how do you get mm-hmm. that bulk? You you're 100 percent right. If you're going to like a mid range restaurant, like you know anything from like a 15 to a 30 dollar plate you're probably eating cisco oh it's the same it's the same meat just different flavors that prepare differently um and that's been one of the things that's pushed us to to deal with more higher end chefs um because they understand that distinction they understand Mm -hmm. the quality difference and when we're talking to them about free range and paddock rotation and stuff you know you can tell that they enjoy that and they want to be able to bring that to their customers as well um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to see some of those numbers on the big guys and how they're producing that. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know how they're doing it, but I think you don't have to be a rocket science to say that there's, there's corners being cut here mm-hmm. and you can't convince me that it's on the profit side. Yeah. 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 That's uh, true. You can't convince me it's on the profit side. Yeah. I'm going to put that on a sticker. dude. <laughs> Make sure I get one. If you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, I'm curious. What are they saying on those comments? You said there's haters on the comments. What are they saying when they're like, no dude, confinement's the only way. Oh man. They just get mad because they, uh, you know, you'll never feed the world with outside pigs. And, and they, they build all these straw man arguments that like, I've yeah. never claimed, you know, I've never claimed yeah. I'm going to feed the world or I'm going to do this or do that. I'm just uh, a guy with his friend raising pigs yeah. in the woods and, yeah. and, and trying to give people a different option if, if that's what they want for their diet. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's, a, it's just a lot of, well, that's the big, that's the big yeah. criticism for, for, uh, you know, for small farm production is how is this scalable? And that is a hard question to answer. It's a and good, everyone, it's a, it's even a with fair, EVs. Yeah. It's a fair, it's a fair question to, to ask, but I like your answer and, uh, that's not what I'm trying to solve here, nope. but it is important to maybe look at it from a scalable side. And I think what that is, is just more people doing it. And if you're going to, if you're going to have that, you first of all, I have to show them that it's possible, which I think you're doing a good job of. Um, but secondly, you're also going to have to show them the other benefits, not just in what they're eating, but what it brings to your life. Right. There's so uh, one of the best, phrases which i know he's somewhat of a controversial figure but um uh thomas Sowell's most famous phrase there's no solutions there's just trade-offs that's a really good summation of how life works and so what's the trade-off if you are bought into raising your own pigs well you're going to get yes it's going to require a lot of physical effort yes it's going to require that you don't get to go on as many vacations every year because you got to be there for your your herd. Um, yes, 
you know, your inside of your truck's probably going to smell a little bit worse than what it did before you were. Not much. More... <laughs> yeah. That goes back to the bed hog thing. <laughs> but, uh... It's like pans to a video of us and we all have like nose clips on while Matt's here. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, so there, there are those hardships, but there's also a lot of like looking at Matt. I know how old he is. He says he's 30, almost 35. He's in good shape for a 35 year old guy. And you, you stack him up to the average 35 year old American man, a lot better shape. Okay. So that's a trade off, right? If you're going to be fully bought into, nope, everything's going to be prepackaged. Everything's going to be done to me. I want to spend all my time not doing that. Okay. You're probably going to be out of shape at 35 years old. And you're probably going to have a lot of physical ailments that Matt doesn't have. So that's a, to me, that was one of the thing, reasons why I wanted to work here was I had a white-collar job, and I looked like I had a white-collar job. He was like job. 630 pounds. But no, I, I, have, no I, I have gotten a lot healthier. I had my best physical that I've had since like pre-college uh, last year when I went in there. Heck yeah. And, and it, was, it, it was all these other side benefits I know a lot more practical stuff now than I did before I took this job. And so if you can convince people that, hey, yes, you get better, you get better um, food going into your body if you're participating in a small farm operation, that's, that's, one, that's probably the number one selling point, right? But then when you convince them that all these other aspects of your life are better now too. I, I, go to, I used to go to bed mentally exhausted and physically unspent. Mm-hmm. Now it's the other way around. I I go to bed, my brain feels clear. I feel like, you know, normal. I have way less anxiety, I have way less but I'm physically spent, so guess how much better I sleep. <laughs> you know, I'm bushed at the end of a day, you know? And and that is a benefit that I don't, I don't care, you can't buy that. Or maybe you do because you pay to go run on a hamster wheel at a gym. You have to pay a subscription to literally go and do physical effort. If you're super disciplined, right, you're going to do that. And whereas the benefit of when you raise your own hogs, you don't have to do that. You can if you want, but you don't have to because, you know what, you're following pigs around all the time. You're shoving them around. You're feeding them. You're, you know, all that other stuff. That's how this becomes scalable is when you show people, hey, yep, you can buy into this conventional model. Just know that most likely – you're going to have these other problems, right? Or you can buy into this model and yeah, you'll have different problems. Like you don't get as many vacations. You do have to do all the hard, dirty work, but you get all these other trade-offs and weigh them out. Which trade-offs do you like better? Yeah. I want to zoom out. I want to zoom out one more time as well, because let's, let's talk about, I couldn't think of a better way to describe it, but other than units of human energy spent per pig, right? Let's okay. say mm. on on commercial farms right now, you're spending 5 units of human energy, right? It's re- it's replaced with different kinds of energy with oil and gasoline and stuff or and diesel that's using the combine that harvests the corn that goes to the feeder. You know, that that is a different kind of but it's not human energy. And that de- oil's definitely not unlimited, but the it's less finite than human energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with yours, there's way more human energy put in. So it does it does put you in a box of how how many hogs you can do. And 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 then you say like, well, well then hogs will have to be way more expensive. If we tripled the price of pork, 
I, I'm sorry, people. This might be controversial to you. If we tripled the price of pork in the United States, people will still be able to eat pork. Pork mm-hmm. is is so cheap. If, if and and here's the deal. You only need if if you're not if you're less than 200 pounds, you only need 1,700 calories a day. I know I'm like basically swearing at people saying that. If if you're if you're my size, which is big, which is 200 pounds and six two. You only need, I mean, it, it ranges. Might, 19, might even hmm? say giant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, 1,900 to 2,200 calories a day, depending on how hard you're working outside. But like, d- does that make sense? So, so let, let's go back to how many, how many hogs can we raise with how many units of human energy do we have? There is a finite number, but we just don't need as much food as we have in the well, world. Right. It's a, another symptom of surplus is we always hear all the time. Oh, we're a fat America. I mean, we have been hearing that. I've been hearing that since I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. you know, that's, and Nick would say that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was, <laughs> well, it was 48 well, years ago. Late no, the, 1900s, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right. Matt gets it. No, the, the, um, like think about if we, if we, not that I think this should happen. I don't like government, more government control. Let's say we made, um soft drinks illegal in the united states you know who would go who would suffer from that only the people that lost their job like nobody's metabolism nobody's Mm. health nobody's calorie deficit would be worse off Mm -hmm. i mean you can you can drink 680 calories of a soda which i'm pretty sure is just like a normal liter that you see high schoolers drink before school starts and um and 600 calories uh, so that's a third of what you're supposed to be having during the day. And they contribute to zero of what you're able to do, except a tiny energy boost. Yep. And most of that energy boost goes out through shaking. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so it's stuff like that where it's like, we could just have way less, mm-hmm. you know, we could do way less. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, so I'm going to rewind for just a second. Uh, we, like I said, we are small, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have all of this data yet to be able to say our capacity is X amount of pigs. I have yeah. mm-hmm. a number in mind. Um, cause you know, you're taking care of 20 pigs. You're basically taking care of a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. If you bring in, oh, yeah. if you're hauling feed out there every day, you know, is it mostly a space thing at that point? It's or? mostly a space thing okay. because we don't ever want to over overload, um, the land that we're on with yeah. disturbance and, uh, feces and stuff like that, that would make it too nitrogen rich and have mm-hmm. a hard time for, you know, germination and stuff like that for other plants. If we just run them, run them, run them, and then try and plant over top of that without letting it rest. And, and we don't have the area right now to, to do that. So it does become a, a spatial issue. Um, I will tell you that what we are trying to do is ramp up our numbers to, it would be an output of around 400 a year. Is mm. our goal. So 200 at a time, really? We would need 192 pigs on the ground in rot- and not with our breeding stock, just with our feeder stock. Yeah. Uh, on the ground at any given time in that that rotation to be able to fulfill those numbers. And that's based off of a weekly output that we're trying to hit, yeah. based off of customers uh, in the restaurant world that we're trying to fulfill orders for yeah. and such um, outside of our direct consumer How many business. can the, your current land handle? I know obviously you can get more, go somewhere else and rent. And- right now, I... I think I will be, we had planned to have up to 60 pigs this year on the land we're Mm -hmm. at. And as of the past month or two, we've really hit into overdrive and that's why I'm looking at this more land. Yeah. Um, because we, we, we're going to need it, but I would say comfortably right now that 60 range is what we were. And that's why we bought the amount of breeders 
for this year that we had because that was a after running the 17 out there last year at one time and seeing the disturbance they laid down and, and how much time it took, you know, just doing some real uh, not dialed in math, we believe that 60 would be that limit. How much do you and uh, Micah need to live off of for your families? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not money wise, but like how many pigs do you think need to move through your farm in a year? Um, right now, uh, with the expansion we're looking at doing and what that would cost us, we need to be moving around four to five pigs a week. Okay. So just a couple hundred a year. Yeah. 200 some a year. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. which uh, is kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of scary yeah, for yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's also not. Cause like I said, if, if you've got the right systems in place and that's the biggest thing, pre-planning, you know, if you've got a system in place and you've got, uh, a methodology behind that that allows you to streamline it like taking care of pigs in the woods really isn't that hard right like yeah. feeding watering that's it um i use giant waterers um that i fill up once a week yeah and i'll create more of those as we go so it's still just a once a week thing yeah um do you do sorry no no, no, no you're good, you're good. I, my brain went somewhere to, do you do retail at all straight to consumer we do. Uh, yeah. So that's what we started off with, uh, Direct Consumer. We have a website. Like Ancestral. farmer's markets or how'd you let people know? We were going to do farmer's markets and we were up at a local place in Waverly. Um, but going back to that 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 cost breakdown, we you're fighting a very uphill battle yeah. um, trying to produce in your local community. And I'm not saying don't do that, right? I'm yeah, not saying yeah. shun your local community, but it is a tough battle to win when you've got people that are used to two dollar three dollar four dollar mm -hmm. pork um what's your what's pound for pound on average what's yours costing compared to the what i'd get at walmart oh shoot i'd have to go online and, and break that down for you yeah i can do that and get it over to you after, yeah, yeah, yeah um after but we're right around uh that like i think it's like 16 17 dollars a pound yeah um and that's including shipping and every like thing like that on our website um on some of the products some products are, are for dollar shipping but yeah, well, uh, that's and, and to be fair with that question too, you mentioned earlier that that's not that's not really a tar like you you said. I wish yeah we could make this more available price wise, but you also said that's not really the goal of what we're doing. Is yeah, it? Is no, it to grow the cheapest pork in Iowa. No, absolutely not. And I'm not trying to disparage a group of people that don't find value in that price, you know, or or, or can't afford it. Um, we've just found that when you're dealing with a product like pork, um, you have to set yourself apart from mm -hmm. conventional. You can't be in line with them or yeah. just a subpar mm -hmm. above them because I will never be able to compete on volume like they can. I yeah. will never be able to compete on price. I don't want to. I think that's pursuing mm -hmm. a goal of profit over your customers, over your animal welfare, over your, your, your the nutrient value that you're giving within well, that so. product. So we... I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that we are a cheap product or try and convince people that this is a cheap price for pork. It's not. But what you get out of our pork is far more than what you're going to get from the store and not just on a nutrient value level, which we are in the process of working with a uh, professor at Iowa State later this year that's going to do diagnostic analysis on our loins so we'll be able to say you know this is a nutrient that's the about wildest sentence i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool though huh? yeah right? no, like, that is so cool be because if we're going to sit here and say you know 
I like to be able to back things up. I don't want to just sit here and flap my gums and yeah. say that we're this, we're that. Mm. I want to have scientific data behind that. Um, I'm going to try and see if I can do a side by side with something conventional, but I don't know what at the freshness, if yeah. it has to come immediately from the locker, what the deal is there. But yeah, you know, we're, we're trying to do the things to highlight our value yeah. um, and show the people that also find those, those things valuable that they have options mm. like us. You know, it's something uh, that what meets in the crosshairs about you that I just know you're going to succeed. Um, that I don't see very often is, is three things. One, you care. You seem to be caring about the right things, and that is your health, the animal, well, the animal welfare, and the um, the health of the people that you, you know. You're you're not thinking about the money, or you know. And uh, second thing, you obviously have the the work ethic. You you don't go into pig farming and not have a crazy <laughs> good work ethic. But then the third thing, and and most people have two of the three of these things. But and then the third thing you have is uh, uh, you're just innate knowledge and savviness with PR you're just getting in front of the people and and making it happen and I'm, I'm sure it looks way less glorious you know when you're doing the day to day and you're seeing uh, over and over again you're getting messages back why that's not going to work for that you know I, I'm, I'm sure that is the case but you're willing to knock on 100 doors to get one of them to open and and you're okay with just having a few doors open it seems yeah. like you're okay with not being a huge operation 100 percent want we, it to work we want to find people that have the same values as we do mm -hmm. um, and that's who we want to work with whether that be a, a customer um, that has a specific diet or wants to feed their family in a certain way or a chef that wants to be able to bring you know their customers the highest quality of, of food with their nutritional value in mind um yeah i'm not looking to be in high v um that'd be great right <laughs> you know that'd, yeah. that'd be a, a cool milestone but at the same time i i don't want to put my product next to those other ones and it's not out of hate for high v or anything i just think we're different and i think that uh yeah you know we don't we don't need to be everywhere at once we just need to be in the right spots and hopefully mm. you know we're making those moves well, to, so, to yeah. do that I love that. You're you're like, hey, we're so different. I don't even want my meat sitting next to that meat. I love <laughs> it, dude. It doesn't sound pompous. It sounds like, hey, we're just different. We're not trying to be them. We're not even trying to sell in the same no, space right. as them. No. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah. 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 That's a it's a great it's a great outlook to have on it, you know. And uh so I wanna talk a little bit on conservation through this. Yeah. Um because that is, you know, one of the the driving things for our podcast, of course. But I also want to talk more about your your uh, operation here. So, Nick, at some point before the end, when you talk about conservation, I want to talk about your paddock grazing a little bit. Um, just want to set that bookend in the future here yeah. in our conversation. Um, challenges. You were getting into this a little bit. You talked about you got to, you know, what the workload takes per week. Um, I know from following you on Instagram, um, your recent farrowing had some ups and downs with it. It did. Um, first of all, you got banged up. <laughs> you got real banged up. Yeah, she, I was uh, worried. I was so we were supposed to record this podcast in our last wave of of snow that we got, mm -hmm. and I was on my way there, and I was sliding through every stop sign already, and I was scared to death that my road was going to get snowed shut again i wouldn't be able to get home i was gonna uh, have to spend the night on bad. my king size I, bed i was gonna have to <laughs> with sleep the pizza on top boxes, of the pizza boxes. <laughs> yeah. can you uh, give me another slice of pepperoni to lay my <laughs> head on <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you wake up with like a slice on your back <laughs> yeah. just, where did this come from but uh no so we were supposed to have that happen and then 
like the next post I see from Matt is he's got this giant gash on his forehead. His arm, like, oh no, did they get in a wreck trying to drive down to Des Moines? What I mean, we want to hear the blood and guts, man. Yeah, so what happened? Um, <laughs> going back to this is my first time doing all this. Uh, this was our very first farrowing, and this was a, a special breeding. Um, we had worked with our breeder to get some frozen semen um, that had been bred at Iowa State in 1997. Wow. Um, Al Christensen had been a part of that breeding, who I've come to learn through wow. this is one of the... Semen's as old as me. Right? It's crazy. It's crazy that they, they, they it's like an available option. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying, Al Christensen, um, he's kind of the... Uh, I don't want to say God, you know, like pig, the, the big man in the pig yeah. world when it comes to like, you know, uh, the being, Godfather. Yeah. Kind of. He, he worked at Iowa state for years. He taught our breeder, uh, Wade Hendricks. Um, so they have a good, uh, relationship. Um, so we had this, this semen from, it was a boar called line nine and it was this huge, big boned, uh, heavy set, hairy beast looking Duroc, uh, which is a, a breed of, of pig. Um, and we were going to breed that to another old line Duroc that, that Wade had. And what old line means is these are genetics that derive from pre 1960s, pre commercialization of pork, where meat quality was the mm. only thing that mattered. Um, so uh, one of Wade's lines in his family has kept it alive through breeding since 1921. Um, Whoa! Yeah. So you, you, this is this is How a kind you not of inbreed at that point. Uh, there are it's called line breeding, I believe, and I'm not I, I don't know what Wade does because yeah, yeah. I don't know his operation, but there are ways to um, without having genetic uh, deficits to breed within kind of a closed system. Uh, there are rules that you have to partake. Like you can't breed uh, certain, uh, like a, a father to a, well, I'm not even going to get it because I'm not versed, right? So yeah, do, yeah, do yeah, your, no, yeah, yeah. I'm not in the breeding side of things yet, but there are, it's called line breeding. It's the same thing that's done in dogs to create a line of dogs or mm. to create, keep a line of dogs. So basically pure. specific family members are okay like specific family relations within the line are okay, but others aren't. You will, what you'll do is you'll, when you, when you're again, <laughs> novice, novice, really novice. wants to know. No, no, no. I, 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 know. I want to be able to answer as much as possible. I just don't want to come off and say something wrong and have right. somebody roast yeah, yeah, me. So yeah. Yeah. if anybody hears me say something wrong, I'm sorry, I'm ignorant to it. I'm not trying to come off as a know-it-all, but you, uh, obviously you, you look at the, the, the breeding between the two and their correlation genetic wise. And you do have a coefficient there that you can play within as far as like you can back breed and not have to worry about certain genetic ailments while trying to maintain uh, certain things that you want in that line. Like if you have uh, a fast breeding uh, pig that you want to make sure you maintain that, that fast growing mm -hmm. gene or whatever there, you can line breed them um, within that same kind of quote unquote family to, achieve maintaining that desired trait while trying to keep any of the um possible other genes that would come from introducing another pig in that yeah. line keep it kind of out Man. now there are limitations to that you obviously can start inbreeding and then you have mm -hmm. problems but that's my very limited understanding yeah. of it kent hear me out <laughs> i'm scared too <laughs> no, no no all right so anyway i, I was interrupting well, no. So, so yeah. So you had this this first go around with with breeding. Yep. So she was uh, artificially inseminated in Indiana and brought to us this summer. And uh, 
one of the things that you run the risk of, obviously, older semen is um, birth rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also degradation just over time of the uh, the potency of the sample. Mm-hmm. So it's always a, a dice roll. Um, you're not going to get big litters. And this isn't anything trying to take any heat off of me because, um, like I said in my video, like I'm I'm the I'm the herdsman. Like it it falls on me regardless if it was in my control or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got her. Uh, she was doing great. She was really showing. And we got to uh, that last Friday mm-hmm. when we were supposed to meet you. And that was her uh, farrowing date. And she didn't go. And we got that huge storm. And it was like negative whatever. And I was I was getting really scared, um, you know, because we hadn't intended on having that weather. So it was my job uh, to get her into a, a safe area. Uh, again, we don't use farrowing crates, so I wasn't mm-hmm. looking to trap her into a small confined area by any mm-hmm. means, but I needed to get her out of that that weather. Being a mm-hmm. first-time mother, I didn't know if she was going to make that decision on her own. So uh, initially, um, we took a skid steer and probably carved a 200-yard path from the barn out to the forest. Um in all that snow that we had. And I took a bucket and I knew that she wasn't just going to be the only one to come with me. So I was going to have to take all of them and then sort them when I got to the barn and then try and hopefully take the other ones back. And I I got them all up there. Um, They started going in the barn. She was in there and I tried to shut the door behind her, Um, got jumpy and she tried to come out and I tried to stiff arm a 300 pound pig and snapped a tendon in my right bicep. So I'm waiting to hear back from ortho right now on if that's going to be a surgery or not. Um, I had my left arm done three years ago. So not something I really want to go through again, but uh, I knew it was pretty messed up, but she didn't go in the barn and then they all scattered. So me and my seven-year-old Rowan are trying to run around and herd these, you know, seven, 300 pound pigs back 200 yards up to the forest. Uh, Thank goodness my pigs will follow me just about anywhere with a bucket because they've just become so trained to know that there's something good yeah. in there for them, not some feed. So we got them back up there, and then I uh, I was like, all right, well, we got to try something else. So we have these um, triangle-shaped long um, huts that we keep out on pasture for like mm-hmm. when it's raining, stuff, give them shelter to go into. It's like, man, if I can throw some feed to the back of that, maybe she'll go in there, and then I can take this 4 by 4 with these like 6-inch screws and you know, real quick get it in behind her just so I know – you know, that she's going to be in there when she has those babies and I can immediately take it off and she can have free reign of coming in and out. But then I mm-hmm. at least know the babies will be safe. Um, so I got one side put up and kind of use it like a, a gate and then mm-hmm. uh, had it all the way up. Got a, a screw halfway in through the bucket back there. And then it's just, it's a waiting game because pigs, uh, even if they want to do what you want to do, they're not going to do it. Like if you, if you show them, you want them to do something, even if they want to do it themselves, it's like a child. Like, no, I'm I'm just not because you asked me to. So it was a waiting game and she had to go in there on her own. And she finally did. And again, I jumped the gun cause I was so nervous. I was like, yeah, she's in. I just got to get this board in. So I put the board down real quick and started screwing it in. And she was like, nope, not having it. And she blasted the uh, the four by four. And that screw that was halfway in came up and caught me on the forehead yeah. there. So oh, I have six stitches. Man. So still didn't have her in a hut. I'm walking around with a busted arm. I had my Your son's s- probably like freaking out. My dad is dying here. <laughs> <laughs> he, I was more worried about him than anything. He's never seen me get hurt like that. Um, and you could just like, pale as a ghost, like his yeah. face. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just get to the truck. Uh, he's never listened better in his life. Like, he was <laughs> on point. He's got to show a little blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, he was good to go on that. But yeah, he was a little freaked out. Um, long story short, got my stitches. Uh, got to a point where I was just like, 
I'm just going to have to follow her around wherever she goes. I built a structure out of a, uh, out of an IBC tote, uh, crate. Mm. I essentially carved the sides out of it. So wherever she went, I could put it over top of her, drape a, uh, uh, tarp over top of her i had a generator with a heat lamp because i'm thinking she's just gonna you know at this point everything's gone wrong so i'm like she's just gonna go in the, like the farthest corner somewhere where i can't get to her and it's gonna be the mm-hmm. worst situation so i was prepared for the worst um she ended up going into one of our huts by herself and that's where you'll see the video of me laying in there with her mm-hmm. um as she was she was farrowing but uh I had to go to the appointment the next morning to get um, some imaging done on my arm and she hadn't had the babies yet. And by the time I got back, she had had one. I was super stoked. Um, didn't really want to get in there and mess with her because she could, was still contracting, looked like she was pushing. Um, so I left, came back again. And um, when I did, I, I couldn't find the initial piglet and I didn't see any other piglets in there. So I, I freaked out. I was trying to rummage around in there to find mm-hmm. them. Um, and she was super, super agitated. She had already busted me, busted me up pretty good. So I had to be careful, but ended up finding the initial piglet and it had a underdeveloped, uh, backside on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, wasn't going to make it anyways. The, the back legs were curled up and, uh, hadn't developed a tail. Um, mm-hmm. and then there was another mummified birth in there, which is basically an undeveloped fetus that Mm -hmm. stunted at some point within its growth and then was passed. Um, the, the hard, I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of piglets out of that, but all we needed was one boar to keep that, to to start that new line Mm -hmm. up and and to keep those genetics going. Cause there's, there's, I think only a couple doses of line nine left in existence. We've got Mm -hmm. one left. Uh, so we might try it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was tough cause it was a bore and that's, that's what we needed. Um, and I was, I was really upset. Um, I made a video about it, not mm-hmm. out of sympathy or anything like that, but I just, you know, I felt like it was a raw moment, um, that people needed to understand. Um, not understand. I'm sorry. I don't think people need to understand, but I think it was, it was key to show kind of some of the things that go on the day to day, uh, there, not only the, the good, but the bad side of things. And I want to own, you know, my side of things too, and not always make it look like, Oh, it's all sunshine rainbows and funny videos mm-hmm. and music and this and that. Like there are some real days that it's not, it's not easy. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I, I don't want to bring that to make people be like, Oh, I'm sorry for you to go. Cause it's, I love, I love pig farming. Um, mm-hmm. It just gets tough sometimes. And I think it's, it's on me to not show this uh, rose colored glasses view of our farm all yeah. the time. But yeah, it was tough. And uh, you know, after talking to some of those guys that I talked about earlier, like tank mm-hmm. and uh, Cliff Davis, Wade, um, you know, they let me know that it, AI is a hard thing to do. Um, it's not always successful. And again, that isn't taking anything off of my plate, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I will own this hundred percent, but it made me feel a little bit better that some of the, the giants in, in what I consider the giants in the industry, um, mm-hmm. have had difficulties with that before and didn't make me feel so alone in that, which mm-hmm. is hugely helpful because yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> when you're out there and, uh, you know, it's negative 20 and you just watch two pigs die and you're feeling frustrated and down, like, you know, it, it helps to have people there yeah. that have been through that same thing to be like, Hey, look, man, I, I know what you're going right, through right. and not even like be able to really do anything, but just that, that solidarity of like, you're going to get through this, mm-hmm. you know, and me being able to say like, well, this guy that's here, like he dealt with this at one point. Like now I, I know that like, it doesn't make me feel so, uh, I don't I want to say bad cause I still feel bad about it, but it, it makes me feel hopeful that there's, there's another, you know, there's, mm-hmm. if you push through this, things are going to get better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And visualization sometimes is key for me in that, in that regard. Yeah. Mm. That's well said. You said you, you like 
you kind of felt alone, but then talking to those guys, you felt less alone. Uh, during all this time, you're, you and your partner, Mike, uh, both have other jobs, yes. I think, right? And, yep. and um, But he's in Texas most of the time? Yes, yep, and he works 12-hour shifts. So, like, yeah. there's not a lot of time during the day that we can just jump on a call and be like, hey, what's up, you know? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I don't want to make it sound like he's not involved at all or anything yeah, yeah. like that, but there is, you know, we have a reality of like, we're doing this from, you know, however many miles away and we both have, you know, regular jobs and his is far more intensive as far as hours and commitment work wise and mine. He works on an oil rig? Uh, yes, he works in uh, fracking. In, is uh, that a two week on, two week off version of, there's like some rigs I know where you're like on site for two weeks, you're on the clock two weeks straight, they pay you every hour, you're sleeping, everything. And then you're off for two weeks. Is it like that? or So he uh, just got off of like a full-time schedule where basically they would run until the well was done. They didn't have a start date or an end date. Um, 12-hour shifts. And, you know, you're watching the things progress with us and stuff like that. And, and he's seeing how that side of things is developing. And I think he decided to make a choice um, that was going to allow him to be more uh, involved in the farm. And he's gone mm-hmm. to a, a two-week on, one-week off schedule now yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, which is going to be you know a lot better for getting him up here and getting him um you know on the farm and stuff like that but it has been one of those realities where like there are certain times where like he's just not available and that's not a bad thing or you know anything whatever Mm -hmm. it's just it's life and that's what comes with starting a farm the way we did and i i'm not trying to like dive in you guys personal finances but like when you're starting a farm and you don't go to the bank for capital uh I know that some of those jobs like an oil can pay more and, and that can end up being a, a big part of you got to just be able to stay afloat. If you, you yep. know, you thought you had a sale and it fell through or the pigs weighed less than you thought they were going to, you know, or something like that. He, a big deal. He has been uh, funding this since we started. Wow. Um, so that's not a small deal. That's a big. No, deal. it's not yeah, at all. Yeah. It's a huge commitment. And that's why I, I wanted to make sure that when I say I feel alone, it's not disparaging him at all yeah. because like no, he, yeah, yeah. his commitment is to keeping the lifeblood of this company pumping. And that's what he's doing every single day. Um, and, and yeah, sometimes we, we can't get hold of each other and, and, and we do, we, we talk about everything I and mean, he's super supportive of, of everything we've got going on. Just sometimes, when you're in a new spot and we're, we're both in the same position being brand new to this, yeah. having that reassurance from outside of your circle mm-hmm. from someone that you respect, like the guys I was talking about, like it just, you know, it makes both yeah. of us feel better. It makes him and I feel better because he's having to deal with all this secondhand. So I can't even imagine, you know, like he can't help yeah. at all, even though I know he wants to. So that's gotta be tough too, to be down there and feel like you're, you're kind of in a way powerless at the, immediate and what's going yeah, on so right. when i can talk to these other guys and, and let them you know and then convey that back to michael like hey here's what the the experts are saying it gives both of us reassurance that like all right you know we're not we're not screw-ups or whatever this yeah, is yeah, just yeah. something that yeah. happens and, and something we've got to push through and learn from yeah. yeah that's cool that you guys each have like you're like hey starting out this is my role this is your role and you guys are just hammering it out that's really cool yeah yeah, yeah. uh so i, I don't want to I don't want uh, listeners to think that everything's been a, a big downer for you so far. No, not at uh, all. Not at you, all. Can you give us like maybe one or two of your favorite success moments? Oh, man, uh, recently a lot of cool things have been happening for us. Um, for, I guess the biggest success thing for me uh, is coming on this podcast, of course. No. <laughs> that's, that's number one. A close second for me would be uh, <laughs> nice. I, play it out. I was talking to my son the other day and I always check in with him just cause I think it's cool to hear like what a seven year old's mind thinks, you know, yeah. like everyone's like, Hey, what do you, 
what do you think about you want to be when you grow up and then why just to kind of mm-hmm. hear where he's cognitively at and for the longest time it was a police officer and that was cool um mm-hmm. and then uh recently i asked him like hey so what give a thought about what you want to do when you go and i always preface it to like it's not a big deal if you don't know buddy i'm this yeah, is for yeah, dad yeah. i'm not asking this because i want you to worry about this yeah i just love hearing what you think um and this last time i asked him he said he wanted to be a rancher so that to me is mm. like whether whether my child decides to do what I'm doing or not, providing them an option yeah. that I, I you know is important to me, and then like the fact that he's picking up on that and what's like that's, I love that, and I don't care if he ends up doing it or not, but it just lets me know that what we're doing out there is as special to him as it is to me, so mm-hmm. that's that's probably number one. Um, number two would be uh, we got in touch with a, a gentleman out of Cedar Rapids. Um, I shouldn't say in gen- he's a professional chef. He's very big deal. His name's Justin Brunson. Um, I wasn't even aware of how big of a deal he was at the first when I started talking to him. I was like, Hey, he's a cool guy. You know, he's a mm-hmm. chef likes talking about pigs and we'll, we'll chit chat back and forth. And then one day I Googled his name. I was like, Oh wow. I've been, I've been talking to <laughs> a pretty big player in the, yeah. uh, in the food world here. And, uh, I sent him out some of our product and he, uh, he had one of our tenderloins and he, he uh, cooked it and uh, sent me a picture and just gave me the best review ever. And like at a time where we really needed it, not that mm-hmm. we were doubting ourselves, but like when you get recognition from somebody that is an expert on something in a mm-hmm. field that you're trying to be a part of, it just yeah. like, that's the reassurance that I need. Yeah. You know, like we already know we had something great, but to have this, this recognition from, from someone like him, um, he's like I said, he's a chef. He had like five restaurants at one time. He's has his own meat company now. So like wow. we're technically competitors, right? And yeah. he's like, he's he's opening a lot of doors for us. He's getting me in front of us, in front of people, um, you know, different chefs, uh, and, and opening a lot of doors. That's uh, awesome, man. For us, so that would be, you know, I, I feel like we're we're at this point where last year was figuring a lot of things out. Um, yeah. you know, we are not at scale. I know that. So when people want to come and be like, well, you're only doing this. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And that's why I'm not talking smack when I'm doing 400 pigs a year, then I might get a little bit more, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. And not even talking smack, but you get a little bit more confident in my methodology more right swag. now. Yeah. You know, but like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I just being able to, uh, to get recognition from people in the industry that, um, that we are seeking to impress is, is really cool. And, uh, hoping to start working with some restaurants in the area through those connections. But yeah, those are the the real big things for, uh, for me and go, and you know, what you were talking about earlier with like reward of, Mm -hmm. of what you're doing is like, yeah, there's a physical side to that, but there's such a mental side to that Mm, too. I'm sure you guys have those days where you're walking in the fields and you're just like, I needed this. I needed this today. Mm, I just needed this sun. I needed this. Um, and there's days where I'm out with pigs that I just, I needed to, you know, hang out with pigs for a little while mm-hmm. and it, it's, yeah, it's all around good. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's so much truth to that. Yeah. It's the whole package, right? Both ways, you know, and I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway for our listeners in this is either, the, the key word was option, right? There's two options and there's a full package that goes with both of those options. Yeah. And you have to analyze and it's um, way more than price. Right. Just yeah. price. Way, way more, more than, than price. price. That's just one tiny part of it. Um, so don't let that 
tiny part of it be the whole deciding factor weigh out the whole option what what goes with the whole package uh, yeah i think it's critically important that people understand that well hey i wanted to bookend this with uh some conservation talk you do paddock grazing yep um have, how have you seen the forest which of course you probably don't have decades of experience on this property because it was you know it's basically been very generously leased to you in a way I, uh, have you seen the forest respond to hogs being in there yeah uh so i actually i grew up on this farm oh uh, it really? was right down okay. the road from my uh my childhood home and their son uh nathan was a best friend of mine for years okay very so cool. Uh, and he actually started a food truck, which is kind of crazy. We're yeah. like, we're both doing something in food. Uh, but man, I Pork used to, tacos, Nathan. I, I, I need to get a hold of him. I, I really do. Cause he's at a point where we're both kind of last year was our first year. And yeah. you know, so I'd love to do something with it just because of that tie back to like yeah. his family farm. Right. Um, but so I do have a little bit of information on it from being out there for years. And, uh, you know, it was definitely a dense, overgrown area that we were moving them into, and now you go down there, and uh, it's it's kind of ugly right now because we're waiting on some some growth from the uh, the cover crops we planted last year to really mm. take hold. Um, but it's so much more cleared out. A lot of the dense underbrush is gone. Um, it's more of a, a usable forest mm. area um, versus you know just overgrown this and that. The, the pigs have have gone through there uh, really well, and I think are they kind of like goats where they'll just eat anything that's hanging out on the ground just on a lower level yeah, they won't, yeah not as you know not as much as goats goats will eat brambles and this and that yeah but green but, briar yeah what <laughs> pigs won't eat they'll just like root through and demolish and step on and kind of mm. you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah mouth through um so we've seen a big you know uh change um visually to the forest and also we we take uh soil samples Mm. I have them send it to Midwest Labs, and we'll be doing that here in April again. Will be our year on that. We like to take those once a year. So again, that's cool. Going back to like the dynast, the analysis of the the loins. Like we don't want to just sit here and be like, we're doing good for this, or this is good for you, or like we want to be able to say like, yeah, we're going to show you visually, but then we're also going to follow it up with scientific yeah. data because I think that's mm-hmm. important. You know, we live in yeah. a, a an era where you know companies are able to put all natural on their product, and it's really just a sidestep from you know what that mm-hmm. really means. You know, so I don't want to just say, hey, we're doing regenerative agriculture because that's a hot buzzword right now. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. okay, yep. it, because we're doing we rotate, we have soil samples. Um, you know, we're, we're planting behind mm-hmm. the animals and, and that's another thing I want to talk to you guys about because we're developing our, our mix this year and I'd love to get some, some native species oh, in there yeah, as yeah, well yeah, because, yeah. Help, yeah. you know, we don't want to just bring in things that are necessarily good for the pig's health but the land health as well and I yeah. feel like getting some of those native grasses and flowers. Um, how, do you, how do you use up all the nitrogen? I know you said that you're careful about how much nitrogen you let them, you know, how much poop they, they have in an area but like, but then it's still there. How do you use it up? What do you? That is where the cover crops come in. Okay. So we're overplanting, so we're not having any sort of nitrogen buildup in the soil that would end up causing any sort of runoff in any sort of waterways mm. or anything awesome. like that. Man, especially because I'm gonna send you our last podcast from last Friday. I did a deep dive on on uh, Iowa water quality. Yeah, and I talked to the state geologist, the CEO of Des Moines Water Works, like a bunch of people. Yeah, we talked about nitrogen runoff was a big part of it oh i mean i was the number one contributor to mm-hmm. nitrates in the gulf aren't, oh yeah aren't we? Yeah. yeah sure yeah, so yeah. it's it's got a whole book about it right <laughs> yeah. the swine republic no, yeah yeah I, I did a lot of research for that anyway uh, so you you were saying that you, so you're following them with um uh with cover crops and yep. and wanting to put that in the field what and but i guess something that i don't 
fully understand is is how long can they be on a plot of land and how big of a plot of land do they need to have so right now i wish there was a manual on that so i could just yeah. go and be like hey this yeah. is how many pigs i can put on here yeah. and this is yeah. what i need to do um and you can talk to different people, right? Um, I'm sure it's dependent on the available feed on there too. Right? The, the, where are they at? You know, like uh, some of these guys I was talking about earlier, they're in Tennessee, they're in North Carolina, they're in Indiana. Their terrain is different. Their atmosphere is different. Their their growing season is different so they can run hogs on swaths of land in different durations than I can. Yeah. Um, it's It just takes a lot of being out there with your animals. That's why this like – if you raise animals in this manner, whether it's pigs, cows, whatever, like management is key. Like I'm out there every day. I'm visually looking at things. I'm seeing if there's a buildup of feces. I'm seeing if there's an over disturbance of what I, you know, perceive to be disruptive to the environment. And then basing how long we keep them in that area, um, not off of a, a preset number, but just the disturbance and, and what they're putting down. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, we're, we're new at this, so we're still figuring that out. And as we're growing, it's, we can't really rest our hat on anything because yeah. what worked last year isn't going to work this year. Right. Um, but that's why we're, we're looking at these, these much larger properties, like 40 acres and, and above, yeah. to, to make sure. You know, it's not my goal to, to raise pigs out in the woods, but then cram them in that woods and basically mm-hmm. be doing the same exact thing, but in yeah. the sun that the, yeah. the other guys are doing. So, But I'm actually glad that we're, we're, we're talking about uh, this kind of stuff because there's something I want to ask you guys with being uh, well-versed in, in seed and then Kent, you being mm-hmm. a hunter. Um, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's kind of hard to, uh, unless you're going to buy the land, uh, to get people to say, hey, yeah, come run a bunch of hogs out right, here yeah, in yeah. my backyard. Yep, it's scary. Yep. We got super lucky with Larry and Joyce. Um, so I've been trying to be creative on, you know, like if we can't uh, buy land right now, you know, financially, and we have to look mm-hmm. at another lease. Like how am I going to get into those guys' you know, backyard essentially? Um, this isn't something that I came up with. Um, this is being done other places, but I want to get your guys take on it is there's services out. Um, I know of one in Colorado that works with landowners, hunters, Mm -hmm. especially, and they essentially go through and will clear out a swath of unusable woods that wouldn't rather otherwise be huntable or usable. Mm. And then they'll go back and plant food plots in there behind them. Um, and I just want to get your thought on that. Like, is that a service that hunters you think would use? Like an all natural? You're talking about using pigs as as lawnmowers uh, or as, brush mowers. More than that, landscapers. Lands- yeah, yeah, not just eating your grass, but re oh, reforming dude. all your stuff yeah, and then going I, in behind them and planting for sure cover crops and food plots. And and I'll tell you what, we have seen no decline in wildlife out on those paddocks. There's days, I think you saw that, that pheasant nest that, that got made right out inside. I, my, I didn't see that one. That's cool. I'm going to send that to you. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it's a pheasant nest. There wasn't one in there, so I can't say definitively, sure. but there's been times where I've walked up and we'll have, you know, piles of hay that have blown out of huts and I'll mm-hmm. kick a rooster or two up out of there. We've got like three does, um, that all had fawns this year that we continually see out there, which I've heard different things about. And I want to ask you as well mm-hmm. with like CWD. I've been, uh, mm-hmm. You know, people have told me to be cautious with the deer population out there. I've never seen it. But oh, again, interesting, because CWD could that that would affect your well. Well, CWD, I don't think has had. I think there might be one test case where it's jumped the species barrier, and not so much the species barrier, but more so of a uh, let's see here a family barrier because it's a common disease among cervids. Yep. 
So oh, elk, moose, okay. deer, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, caribou. And let me but, say, I don't know if he was directly talking about CWD. That's just the most common one that I'm sure, familiar yeah, with. Yep. But so we have been advised that that might be an issue. I haven't seen it, but this comes from somebody mm-hmm. that's been in the industry a long oh, yeah. time, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of years. So I, I take it as word. Uh, but I, at the same time, what I was trying to highlight is when we run our pigs out there, um, we don't see any like wildlife disturbance. Mm-hmm. If anything, we see an uptake in it. Yeah. Um, since I started going out there, seeing far more roosters and stuff. Now, is that because mm-hmm. I drop a lot of seed and they find free meals out there? You know what? I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's it's happening. And uh, so I, that got me to thinking and knowing that service, like how could I? Yeah. Well, I think I think you'd have to. So so the the immediate fear in the hunting community is going to be the effects of feral hogs because yep. that that has been you know, like down south, feral hogs have mm-hmm. harmed wildlife populations and habitat. But I think if you showed them, the key here is your paddock. Like it's controlled. It's not just, well, you know, this is where the hogs live and that's how they're going to live for the next however many decades I'm doing this job. Mm-hmm. You how, have long, a, how long would you have, a, you have a systematic way of splitting them up and rotating them. And what that does is that says, yeah, we don't have, we don't have big old boars coming out here and gobbling up fresh drop fawns we don't have turkey nests being raided by hogs we they're in here and then you know and if you if you said you know yeah we if we got a spot that looks like great turkey habitat then we're not going to have our hogs in there during nesting season they're going to be in there outside of that and they're going to be in and out and they're going to be getting rid of you know these invasive plants they're going to be adding nutrient to the soil which means better you know, plant growth coming back up, which is better deer food, better antler growth, you know, that kind of, that's the kind of stuff. If you had that data and you, you, you approached it like, Hey, we, we, we know what the common problems are associated with wild pigs. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not creating that problem. Yep. We're, we're addressing that problem. And we're instead looking at, believe it or not, there are some good things that can come from wild pigs. What are they? I don't really know what they all are, but I'm sure there's some because again, it's a game of trade-offs. Right. Uh, you, you say we, we give you those things without these bad things. And I think people definitely would be bought into it. If you had like the, if you had a, a scaffolded system that you could present, I think people absolutely would be intrigued by it and say, yeah, it's a working landscape that. What would you, what, what do they, so they get, Basically, uh, I mean, for not trying to pun, but you, basically, they get a bush hogged uh, area <laughs> where you would you you clear it out, and then maybe on the back end, like okay, now I'm taking out all my hogs. You've got some of the best fertile soil. We plant native food plots in here, and then you leave and you move on to the next one. Um, is that kind of the idea? The very broad strokes of it, yeah, that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it, and trying to figure out how all the the little pieces would work. You know, um, I think it's a genius idea. It, I, th- it, I think it's literally because you're you're adding tons of you're you're using resources that are not used mm-hmm. and resources that probably should be taken out to begin with, and you're um, adding incredible value to those places, and then just adding value to the landowner's land. Mm-hmm. So whether they're dollar conscious or um, or just land conscious. I mean, it's adding in every way. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of, that's like true regenerative ag, you and know, I, mm-hmm. not just labor. Yeah, right. It didn't start off, this idea didn't start off this way, but it kind of worked out perfectly with the, the land that we're on now because it's, it is hunted. There's tree stands throughout all the woods. That we're oh, at. nice. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of going to see this year. And I definitely want to talk to you guys offline more about this. Um, 
and how I should plant this. Cause th- the way I see it is if we can prove this model on this, you know, yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's right a worthy now, target. Then it's going to be a lot less scary if I go to a landowner and say, Hey, look, this, this is what we did here and, and we can replicate this mm-hmm. on your property. Brother, you're, I mean, you're just bringing this up at the end, but you're talking about being able to feed the, you know how at the beginning we were like, you can't feed the world with that. This kind of method you could, you know, I mean, still be way more expensive and, and, and that kind of thing. But I'm talking about you'd have access to way more land. I'm not saying that you personally, yeah, no, but I'm but, saying this method could be a solution yeah, um, to a big step in that direction. Yeah. The, I think you should too. And maybe this is better for, maybe we should talk, you know, strategy on this off the air. But, but I think there's, we've talked with a lot of different land managers on this podcast and uh, we know a lot more that we haven't even gotten on yet. I think if you got lined up with one of those guys that was was bought in with trying something like that, I think that would yeah. be a great. Yeah, I, I would love to have a conversation with someone on that side of the fence so that I can better understand what their needs are and, and how yeah, they would help. They would help provide. give you some specific targets, yeah. you know, Yeah, or what their fears are. So I can make sure that I overcome those as well, because I, you know, uh, I completely understand the fear of putting hogs anywhere if you've never been around them or mm-hmm. even if you have been around them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, it's, it is scary. And, but I, I see there being a, a cohesive way to work together, um, mm-hmm. you know, where the landowner is getting a lot out of it and then we're getting a lot out of it. And mm-hmm. it's like a synergistic kind How of thing. How long would this cycle be? How long are the pigs hanging out in an under underbrush? So it, I, the way I've thought about is it would depend how we're doing it. Like if we are bringing these pigs in just to do like a food plot somewhere, that's probably like a month, right? Depending oh, on wow. the food plot size. Real you know, short. Oh yeah. Pigs will, t- if, you, if you put enough of them out there and yeah. give, give them one area that they are restricted mm-hmm. to this area, and that's not a small area, but I'm saying yeah. if you put a food plot in, it's a pretty big area. You mm-hmm. figure out how many pigs you need, you put them in there and it's, it's a game of you want the right amount of disturbance, but you also want the right amount of manure drop. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you put a hundred pigs on there, yeah, that's going to disturb it within how a couple many? days, but you're not getting the manure drop. That right. You want for that, right. That uh, yeah. soil. That's how long, um, how long before you can ha- come back? And that's where we're trying to figure out what my plan would be is to, let's say that we have someone with, uh, 40 acres of hunting ground somewhere and their their best part of the ground is just for conversation's sake all the way at the back pushed off the road i would start my hogs back there early in the spring you yeah. know around this mm-hmm. time when stuff started to thaw out let them really tear through that get a well-established food plot in that that nice area that they wanted mm-hmm. that they were most concerned about drawing deer to and then slowly work our way out of that mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. 40 acres the towards the road. Zone, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's, they still might be there in, you know, November when you're going out there, but they're going to be way off of where you're looking to hunt. Um, and then through that too, you know, even if we aren't doing a, a food plot in those other paddocks as we're rotating them out, that's where like the native grasses and stuff mm-hmm. come in, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that we're putting that, that the native species back in there for the other wildlife to be able to support, not just mm-hmm. the deer population. Well, would you, would you be able to go back then the next year? Could you rotate it through or would the brush? Well, I don't think you would need to. I think it would be. Well, that's what I'm saying. For the brush, you wouldn't need to. But then what do you do with your hogs? I guess is the question. Well, you'd be moving on to another piece, right? Yeah. I mean, the this is never going to be the lifeblood of our company. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, this isn't the model that we're, we're, we're getting our own acreage. But 
here recently, I've seen that expanse needs to happen very quickly (laughs) and and you can't always make that happen very quickly. So, you know, in my mind, if I could go into the end of the year and have projections of what I was going to need to do that next year, then I could coordinate with farmers on an individual level and say, Hey, look, we need this amount of ground to be able to expand this many hogs. You know, what, what do you have? Or is there anything that you would want cultivated out there? Um, and then, it's going to take soil samples, right? Yeah. We're going to have to yeah. follow that up and say, hey, can do we need to run them through here again? Is it nutrient deficient? Or did we do enough mm. good enough job with the cover crops, um, you know, remediating the soil? Uh, or maybe you just want to bring them back up to till it up again. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because so you don't you're wanna... charging landowners to have your pigs on their land. We are, Since we're not doing I don't know what the business yeah, structure is yeah, going to yeah. I'm not looking. My goal in this is not financial. My yeah, goal yeah. in this is expansion and figuring out a synergistic way to introduce pigs back into the uh you know forest environment without scaring a bunch of farmers saying hey mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna put 200 pigs right next to your cornfield <laughs> like yeah. yeah that's gonna make a lot of people uneasy yeah, we're aware true. of that even wherever we move to like mm-hmm. people are probably not gonna like us at first and i get that um so i'm trying to think of ways to introduce our method methodology to people in in you know these communities that have access to land, but see the value in, in what yeah. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a brilliant idea. Yeah. Brilliant I think it's, idea. I think not mine, by the way, I just want to say that again. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is, I well, forget who it is, but it's a gentleman out in uh, Colorado doing this with Mangalitsas. That's with okay. another pig breed. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I yeah. I, I love that idea. I love how, you know, you're, you're looking at the bigger scope than just farming. You want to farm in sync with, what you know, as our friend Doug Duran likes to say, what does the land get? And that's what you're answering that question. What does the land get out of this? Not what can I get? Not just what can I get from the land by raising hogs on it? What can I give back to the land? And that's that's a, that is a, a great way to look at it. And that truly is regenerative and sustainable ag. You know, uh, not just a green washing that takes place, which we need to do a green washing like coffee time or something nick that would be a that'd be a good thing you know i'm calling it right here you know what the next word is that's going to be greenwashed resilient that's going to be that's going to be the next one Mm. regenerative has already gone down sustainable free range Mm -hmm. cage free organic non-gmo all that stuff has been i don't uh, know i think organic holds better than the other ones because there are very very strict i think there's almost like there's like almost two two ways of looking at it though or something yeah. I've heard. Like, well they get yeah, certified organic yeah that's, like certif- that's the one that's the one it has to, if it says certified organic that's 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 the one that carries serious and weight I, I, that's a double-edged sword too because now you're having the government come in and i know right. yeah. do i need I you know. to tell me i'm certified yeah, or right. that i'm organic but at the same yeah, time you get people just let the shady consumer and, do it right not, that's what i feel you're right yeah. yep so yeah, there's all it's all an interesting thing, but you mark my words right here. Next word to to get taken up is resilient. Well, I'm going back to what what Nick said about you know not only on the if we end up doing something in that world with with hunters, but we've even talked about you know just being strategic about our rotations and having a designated area on whatever plot we go to um, where we run the pigs in the springtime and then we plant crops like cash crops there yeah or uh you know the usda has a program for producers for high tunnels you Mm. know putting a couple high tunnels on the property letting that you know reinforcing the side so that could be their flow in and out Mm -hmm. structure in the winter time if they want to get out of the snow and stuff they're in there all winter putting down manure and stuff and then we can replant in the summer um you know because we're looking to do different things in the future Mm -hmm. sausages and stuff like that and if i could one day you know 
down the road get to a, an even more self-sustaining model where we're looking more agroforestry behind the pigs, um, not only for the hunting side, but for, you know, vegetable production yeah. or herb production or something like that. That's pretty cool. Anything. Yeah. I, I think that's what, what agriculture is lacking. You know, we need to start looking at ways that it can work for us in different ways. And yeah. Not just mm-hmm. be like, hey, Grow I can more put, than two things in the whole state. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can put pigs here and get pork off it. Yeah, you could. Or you could remediate the land. You could get pork off of it. You could plant vegetables behind it. You could put, you know, there's tons of different mm-hmm. ways. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's, there's the strategery part. Strategery. I just that's a good that's a good new word. Strategery. Yeah, and whitewashed here. Soon. That was uh, from a movie. That was from a movie uh, where they were making fun of George Bush and the words he used to make up. And for whatever reason, that just stuck. Oh, <laughs> is uh, I forget what it's called, but it's uh, got like Dick Cheney in it, like um, uh, Christopher, not Christopher Nolan. No, Christian Bale. Christian is that the Bale one where Christian Bale Cheney? plays Dick Cheney? I can't I remember, know. but I. Sorry, that's where I got that word. I'm yeah, really yeah, not yeah. that that simple. Uh, <laughs> but there, there needs to be more strategic purpose in what we're doing, and I think that's one of the things that's been really enticing to me is is being able to uh, be creative in these situations. Yeah. 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 Well, that was that was the beauty of of ag for so long is is that that creativity that that made it all work and i'm sure we would see that on your farm hopefully we're up there sometime yeah I'd please love, love to oh, come yeah, visit we would love to come see and uh as you can see out all the stuff carol's come up with through the years mm-hmm. a lot of creativity for to make to make this farm work as well and that's that's what i think uh you know we were at the north american prairie conference and uh, the keynote speaker talked about, which we're supposed to have on the podcast at some point. We gotta we gotta circle back there. Now. Yeah. But, but uh, he talked about farms having soul, and I think that that's very clear when you're <laughs> when you're willing to like lay down in the yeah. in the the shed with the the sow. She's uh, yep. you know given birth, and you know that's soul. That's that's yeah. something. The human has deep to meaning. put that soul in the farm. Right. You know. Right. And so, man, with the, thank you so much for making the drive. Thank you for the Absolutely. the samples. And uh, how can people track down uh, your guys' operation? Yeah, so we are uh, we we do a lot of our stuff on Instagram. We just found that's more conducive to like our feel and stuff, yep. uh, making videos and whatnot. So uh, we're primarily on Instagram, Ancestral Farms Iowa. Um, you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, it's not as up to date as as our Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can find us on online as well on online store at uh, ancestralfarmsiowa.com. Um, and before I forget, too, I, you guys are more than welcome to come up to our farm whenever you like, and we would love to have you up there. Oh, um, that'd be awesome! Man. I'd really like to talk to the the plot that we're in right now is where I want to do a lot of that testing for what we're talking about yep. with, yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah. So, like, for sure, let's keep this conversation going. Yeah. And, and I might end up having a uh, a workshop in june where like people like yourself that are involved in us yeah you guys come up uh, you know we'll be changing paddocks around then we're talking about getting some other tours of possibly some other farms um regenerative farms up there mm-hmm. as well so you've just seen it's been it's been a busy couple yeah. weeks so I'm, I'm really finally starting to get to a point where i can start chipping away at that but uh yeah thank you guys so much for for giving me an opportunity to come on here oh and, and absolutely talk about what man we've got going our, on. our privilege to sit down with you yeah we enjoyed it well, Ken, are you going to take us out? No, you're going to take us oh, out. Oh, I'm going to take us you're out. You're getting to go Nick mode right now. Yeah, okay. Go, Here's Nick, go. <laughs> Here's the deal. When you go and buy pork, it's important to look at the price. You need to be financially responsible. But it is just as important, and sometimes more so, to look at everything else that's going in there. Because if we really want change on what we're putting in our bodies, 
It's got to start with the consumer, one person at a time. And the exact same way you guys know it, conservation happens one mind at a time.